We're back again to talk about everything in the Frontier American and Atlantic Leagues. You don't want to miss this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. We're back again. Will's not here, but we got someone that may be better than Will. I'm going to say maybe because I assume Will's going to be back next week and I don't want to get a ration of shit. So what we have here is good friend of the show, Ryan from ALPB Roundup. How's it going? Great, Nick. It's just you and me, man. It's kind of romantic. I know, I, from when I asked you to come on and kind of bail me out this week, I was getting that kind of vibe, but I, I didn't want to imply anything. I didn't want to step on toes, you know. As I said when you asked, I mean... I'm going to wear something sexy for this, and it's not for you, though. It's for me. Uh, see, maybe if you're going to keep doing this, maybe we'll have to add a visual component. I would not do that. Is that a problem? Will that be an issue? Uh, not for me, but boy, are you going to lose viewership quickly. See, you can't lose what you don't have, so we will be fine. Uh, uh, yeah, very, very fair point. Yeah, yeah, we'll roll this dice. Why not? Exactly. See, uh, but then again, to be fair, I think our viewership is probably better than some of the there are attendance issues, yes. But, you know, there's a way to fix it, just nobody will. Oh, and how, how is that? Uh, do you fix it by posting on social media? Oh, are we doing this right now? We could this do this right now. This? Yeah, why oh, not? Yeah. All right. I mean, I, sure. Uh, we talked about it. If anybody follows us on us as an indie bar reporter, ALPV Roundup on uh, Twitter, there was an ongoing sort of conversation about the business of indie ball and how essentially, you know, social media is not really the ticket selling tool or it should not be, but how every team seems to want to make it that way. Mm. And, uh, and when you look at a lot of the, the root issues with attendance and things like that, it, it starts and ends probably at social media with a whole bunch of, you know, the fan experience issues in the middle. But yeah. we, uh, as I mean, if we want to, we can, if you want to, we can dive into, I don't know what your plan is for the day here, man. I'm just riding shotgun. I don't really ever have a plan. I just kind of go headlong into something. We see how it works. Um, yeah. I guess if we are going to like go into like the weird side conversation of baseball, business, I, I do have to say, and I feel bad because I think a lot of time when I talk about like what teams should be doing better with marketing, it, it's seen as like, you know, that guy who's like, mm, you don't know what you're doing. And like, yeah, it seems like a negative, dig, but it's really shipping at people. And I, I really, I, before we talk about this, I really just genuinely love indie ball. And I, I want what works for it. And I'm one of those weird people who I find a lot of enjoyment and just like, you know, looking into like attendance numbers and what yeah. works, what doesn't, what teams are doing well. And like, I, I think, you know, if any ball is going to survive and the economy is looking like it's going to present a challenge and not for like the actual survival, but for the thriving of any ball, yeah. I think, you know, we have to be thinking about this stuff and it's important to have these conversations about what works and what doesn't, or else you're just going to keep doing what doesn't work. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I think uh, a lot, of time, especially like for all of us, whenever we're critiquing things, it's like, it's more or less a critique because we want you to fix the thing. It's, it's clearly not working in some areas and it just, it's creates a lot of issues and a lot of the issues are self-inflicted too. It's not like this is just like an, oh, this is a general issue that no one's addressing. It's like, no, if you would have addressed it correctly in a way that everyone was like, yeah, that's going to be a tough sell there. You would have addressed it right to start with. This one be here right now, so please fix it, type of thing. Yeah, and I mean, if we want to hit a digression on this early digression, I, yeah. I'd say, I mean, I caught a lot of that when we were talking about the Southern Maryland infield fire oh, yeah. thing, 
And I think a lot of people felt I misunderstood the issue and I talked to some people I really respect about it. And I didn't you know, push back too much, but the explanation I was given was, well, you know, teams got to get their gate receipts, like teams got to get their gates in and you got to play all the games on the schedule. at the point of emphasis. And I'm like, yeah. And I, like, I genuinely understand that, but my whole point is actually more along the lines of like, should that be like, is that good for the fans? Like, I understand that like playing zero games isn't good for the fans, but it is like having a five o'clock announced start time pushed all the way to seven thirty for a double header also good for the fans. And I get you gotta get your games in, but like they're maybe making sure there's that good balance of, you know, a, a product for the fans and a, a you know, something that is good for the players as well, which a lot of the players did not necessarily feel that way. I know. So they're Maryland players and vocal that they were fine with everything, but that's like, an, I think one of the, the recent examples of people being like, you just don't get how it is. And I promise I do. Like I, yeah. I, I really do. It's just, I see, I think I, I view the goals differently than a lot of people do. And there, there's a lot of other people who have that mindset too. I talk to them a lot in indie ball circles, but unfortunately they are not usually the decision makers at this point. Mm. That, and I mean, again, that's other Maryland situation too, just to wrap up the detour. It wasn't like it was just a, it's presented here situation. It was, they exacerbated the problem by making it worse, trying something that, as was pointed out to me, was a way that fields were used to drive back in the days of black and white photography. And as I said, there's got to be a better way to dry a field than lighting it on fire. That just, it, you got to figure out something better than that. Like the pros and cons of doing that were so wildly skewed one way where I, I just, there's a reason why we don't see this happening anymore. And it's normally because it's not a good idea. And like you said, it pushed the, the start time back two and a half hours. So if you weren't, or if you were just like a casual fan that just happened to want to show up and you show up there expecting one start time, you're sitting there for probably at least an extra hour now. So you're going to be sitting for an hour before a game even starts and it goes forever long. It turned into a major issue there. And I have a hard time believing that it couldn't have been solved in the beginning by just not lighting the field on fire and instead trying some other method to dry out the field. Or again, not having tarps or holes in it, which I know is out of people's control, but also, I mean, come on, yeah. that's the top indie ball league, like... Which I know is a hot take these days, but it just, if you want to hold that spot, you should probably have tarps at work. But let's, yeah. I'm not going to dig into this any further. I am so exhausted from the angry DMs that I've been getting about it and just yeah. like choosing to mostly disregard. All right. So then we'll swing back around. We could always go back to talking about attendance, but we could also just get into talking about baseball, which I think is something we'd rather do. But I agree. All right. I'm cool so with that. So then we'll start off by talking Atlantically, because that just seems to be the fitting thing to do, and then we'll move on from there. So, sure. Southern Maryland's got Anywhere their... you want to start here, Nick? Oh, I'm just going to talk right over you then. All right. I mean, like, I'm good with either. <laughs> I'm used to being talked over. Let me, try, let me tell you. Why, this is why we can't have nice things. It's just, I'm just going to steamroll into conversations. Like, yeah, I got it from here, and I definitely do not. Okay. See, look, this is why we're going to add that visual component. It's more for me than anything else. Uh, like, oh, this idiot's about to talk? Yeah, that's a fair call. <laughs> Be like, uh, I should get a warning up on the screen. It should start flashing like a big red strobe light. Get the attention. Like, it's a plane coming in. But, yeah, it's, uh, I was going to say, Southern Maryland basically got the division wrapped up. If I'm not mistaken, we have several teams eliminated and even more about to be eliminated. And uh, it looks like, uh, despite finally getting one win and breaking, what was it, a 10-game losing streak, 
high points beginning to start a new losing streak, or at the very least, it's not looking great right now. Yeah, that's, that's about the gist of it. I mean, looking at the North, because that seems to be the more simple uh, one to look at at the moment. I mean, uh, Staten Island has already been eliminated from that race. Um, I believe Lancaster has already been eliminated from that race now, and York has either been eliminated or closer. I haven't checked their tiebreakers yet. Yeah. Uh, but it, that's, they're wrapping that up. They've got Southern Maryland. I think their magic number right now is five. Um, the complication there being the tiebreaker is like, one of those ones where it's like back to the second tiebreaker with the Ducks, but I don't think it's going to be relevant <laughs> unless yeah. a massive collapse happens and the Ducks go for a run. So that should be wrapped up. I mean, they could close that out this weekend, more likely early next week, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but, well, they, they could maybe get it. But, um, yeah, that's about it. Southern Maryland's the real deal, man. They've. Uh, <laughs> I tried to kind of keep some context of like, well, are they just playing a bad division? Because they are 17 and four against their own division right now, against that North Division, which is obviously pretty weak. But at the same time, they are then 21 and eight against the South Division. So yeah. <laughs> they are very good. They are very good at baseball. And, and importantly, they're, there's two ways to look at this. I mean, you'd like to see guys getting signed, but they're not getting a ton of guys signed out. They don't really fill the roster with a lot of guys who are sort of apt to get taken away by contract purchases. So uh, unlike High Point Gaston right now, who are just battling against you know guys getting purchased which is great their contracts being purchased off them yeah. um southern maryland man they they could be this good into the second half uh, i would honestly be surprised if they don't win by about a week in the second half at this rate too even with the ducks probably improving in the second half see and I, i'm just wondering if there is that kind of surprise team that's going to come up because i mean you showed earlier on uh, on twitter all the one game or one run game records here. And there's a lot of teams in here that are losing one run game. Staten Island's obviously the one that's been the most promoted, but Lancaster's in a similar boat. There's a lot of teams here that feel like if they could just like get slightly better, either pitching or batting, they could flip the record and at least challenge. Now, I don't think they're going to win it. I think it's pretty clear that it's, you know, a three tier in the north where it's like Southern Maryland up top. Then you have Long Island that's in the middle, and then everybody else. But there does seem to be at least some potential there. Possibly, but you got to remember. So there are two types of teams with you know good or bad yeah. records and one run games. It's a team who are just victimized by the coin flip. You know, like yeah. baseball's random, and they're losing one run games right now. Which it, it's a, usually most teams. Yeah. But then I think Southern Maryland. This is sort of proof of concept on the way they built their team, which is a very, very strong bullpen. I mean, if you look at it, they're doing so many things right. They don't use, I mean, most teams right now, and I'm still working on doing the math. It's sort of a longer term project here. I'm tracking, but yeah. most teams using four or five pitchers to get through an Atlantic league game. Yeah. Uh, right now, I think Southern Maryland's using three to four, which is like a whole one or two pitchers less a game than most teams. And it's just preserving the bullpen and those Bullpen arms are very, very good. I mean, they've got three guys with sub two ERAs in that bullpen that they go to regularly. Um, that does not include Matt Latos. That does not include, um, Bradley Rooney, who's had good moments. I mean, it, it's very, it's a very good bullpen. Dalton Geeky as well. Um, and then you look at like the starting rotation is disgusting. Denson Hull, Mitch Lampson. Um, in there, you know, what allows them going deep in games, what allows the bullpen to stay rested and stay ready to rock. Daryl Thompson, obviously, uh, Eddie yeah. Butler is really good. So 
I mean, there's, and Mackenzie Mills, I keep forgetting that dude. Like, I think of him last, but he's like great. So, I mean, every single pitcher is dangerous for Southern Maryland and they use them so wisely. And it, because of that, I mean, it, they don't need much. Their offense is good. I, I don't think it's an amazing offense, but when you have that pitching, if it's a close game, I mean, you got to be beating, we, I talked about last year, even going back that far. If you're not being Southern Maryland going into the seventh inning, it's a problem. And that's why they win their one run games. And, we talked about it previously uh, last time I was on. The Ferry Hawks, I think they're a good example of a team that tends to lose one-run games, even though they've gotten a bit better now, because of the way their team is built without very good offense, where they can't challenge other teams' bullpens. So if they're getting good bullpen arms that are fresh, usually Staten Island's going to drop that game if it's close late. So there, there are some exceptions. Um, I, I could see the Ducks making a run, but Lancaster and York and Staten Island all kind of seem to be in like a, a group of teams are just going to kind of be middling mediocre going forward in the second half here and plus i mean when you have denson hall's uh facial hair going on it's it's tough to beat that too i've seen it in person and it's even better than you would think really it it's tremendous um i think uh, yeah i mean i I really want to do a countdown of best facial hair in the league there are some strong contenders you must out jordina out of the league right now uh but i it, there's some great facial hair, but Denton Hall really, I mean, he brings it, dude. and there's like volume to it. It's really impressive. Work uh, by him. It is like, that's the thing. Like I've only seen it, you know, obviously on um, video and in picture. So uh, in person, it really must be magnificent. I mean, it'd be a tragedy if that thing would ever be shaved or anything like that. that that's just not possible. Now I, I will say while we're talking about Southern Maryland, I, it, there's guys like uh, Daryl Thompson's probably what he's going to be high three, low four ERA guy. Yeah. Uh, but Denson Hall's a great example. Mackenzie Mills to an extent as well. Mitch Lampson as well. They're all guys who had really strong starts to the year and now their, their ERAs are back up toward like the mid to like higher threes, mm-hmm. which is still good. Yeah. But it will be interesting to see if like this is like them regressing toward, you know, that average, which will be a three something ERA or if this thing is going to keep going that direction, they're going to be a four. I mean, Denson Hall, I think three starts ago had an ERA, maybe four starts ago had an ERA in the ones. That's a three, seven, eight. So he hasn't getting touched up. So yeah. that's definitely something to keep an eye on. If there is something that's going to threaten, it's going to be the starters. You know, they have been asked to go a lot of innings, and they've been able to do it very well. But perhaps that could become something to keep an eye on moving forward. However, they might not be asked to do so many challenging things when they've wrapped up, you know, the playoff spot with 66 games to go or more in yeah. in the season. That's also a thing. And also, there really hasn't been too many batters getting picked up when you think about it. It's really been pitchers. I mean, it's always pitchers. Everyone needs arms and whatnot, even if it's only for eating innings. But you do wonder if the lack of batters getting picked up is a factor as well, because you just start to learn these guys. And as you said, they kind of push them a little bit. So you're seeing a lot of these starters. And Southern Maryland is not a team that's going to have these guys picked up from them. So you kind of get a feel for them, too. And, and being that's what, a 10-team league, you see everybody pretty frequently. So I wonder if that's part of it, too. Yeah, I think that could definitely be it. Familiarity is huge in this league. And something I learned while I was sort of doing baseball operations with the legends is, I mean, there is data on guys, but if you don't have somebody to, to kind of mine through that data, you usually are going up to face guy for the first time, finding, like, being like, oh, he throws a slider. <laughs> like, yeah. If you haven't seen a guy, you don't even know what's coming. So I agree. And with the number of times that these pitchers see batters, um, 
during the course of one of these seasons. I think that's a really good point that it could be, you know, it, it could get a little messy toward the end of the season. And that could benefit teams that maybe rely on a little more chaos, could benefit the Legends, honestly, which is a team where they got to they gotta hit the hell out of the ball. <laughs> they, yeah. they need a game to be messy. Um, and, you know, sometimes that means they're going to beat real bad. Sometimes that means they're beating teams pretty bad. Uh, this So far, it's been them losing a lot. But it'll be interesting to see if they can capitalize on that. Uh, as they get a little more familiar, but yeah, I, I mean, pitching, it's like throwing, <laughs> I think about playing wolf of ball against my little cousins and yeah. knowing that, you know, they're half my age and they've never seen a real curveball with a wiffle ball and knowing that you got that thing in a bag, that's a confidence booster. So yeah. I, I think uh, it must be even stronger if you're on the mound against guys who have no idea who you are. Oh yeah. And I mean, plus having the curveball in the bag like that, it's give them one or two that they could hit. They start talking shit and then it's like, okay, well, we're about to put an end to that. <laughs> You gotta tie them up and remember where they stand in the will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, make sure your grandparents are out there to see what's going on, and make sure that there's only one grandkid who can bring it. And it's me. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a game. This yeah. is life. <laughs> you just gotta. I'm well adjusted, right? Yeah. I mean that's that's normal. That's what I do. You gotta strike them out with authority and then just stare them down. You gotta make sure you give them the stare, so that way it really drives it home. You know. And a vast amount afterwards, you just say if they if they have an issue with it, they can meet me on the mound to talk about it. And Bench just, is clearing at the family reunion, man. Yeah, this is what it's keep it classy. It, it's not like you. It's not like you're throwing hands yet. Until you start doing that, then it's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. So once you start throwing hands, that's an issue. But I mean, not for me. <laughs> Maybe for a little Brennan, it's a problem. Fair point. Very fair point. <laughs> <laughs> it's establishing the pecking order in the jungle. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking uh, of the jungle, how about that South Division, though? We got yeah, you got two South teams Division. and then everybody else. Two teams and everybody else. That's exactly right. Um, I mean, it, let me just, I'm pulling the thing back up here, so I'm on a, a yeah. rabbit hole of the Southern Maryland pitching staff. But yeah, yeah I mean, guess they were what about two weeks ago. So. High Point has now lost 10 of 11, including 6 to Gastonia. Um, or they've lost 11 of 12 now, right. including a 10-game losing streak and a 6-game stretch where uh, they were basically played 6 against Gastonia and got beaten all 6. So um, before that all started, they were up by 4 games. They're now down 5 as Gastonia has been red hot. So um, I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, they Both teams are dealing with you know replacing guys. Uh, that's very much what Lexington had to deal with last year. So Lexington, people forget, finished regular season last year 500. Yeah. Because even after a hot start, they had to replace guys in that second half, and it got very difficult to sort of, they were well below 500 for that second half. And then they you know they had a team assembled, ready to go for playoffs, and that worked out. Um, when it comes to you know, High Point and Gastonia, High Point has lost four of their opening day rotation guys to mm. contract purchases and one Cooper Cassad to injury who's I, I'm not sure when he'll be back we'd like to see him back sooner rather than later he's a good dude and he's, yeah. he's great first of all too so I mean you want to see that but um, it really when that really hit the fan there's sort of a point where they just couldn't hold together anymore uh, they also had a couple injuries I know like Bryce Hensley was out and he's been hot for them uh, a couple of their arms out of the pen seem to be Injured, so it's just a, it's bad timing for sure. Yeah. And, and I think they will write this. They're not, they're not a losing eleven out twelve team. They're just that's not that that's not how delicate it was when they were good. But they're definitely not a. I mean, before the stretch, they were what they were nine twenty and nine. 
So they're yeah. they're not twenty eight and nine team moving forward either. I mean that yeah. that's unreal. That's quite a pace to keep. So uh, there'll be something in between. Uh, they are obviously chasing Estonia right now, who's a very well built team. They just brought in um, I forget his name, Godly. I forget his name. Uh, let me pull it. I got oh, you, it like Zach, Zach Godly, Godly yeah. who looked good. I mean, he, he got touched a little bit through his first outing, but struck out eight and in four innings. So um, I have a buddy over in Charleston who texted me. He's like, "This guy is terrifying." Yeah. So uh, I think that shows Gaston's ability to be a real deal when it comes to signing players as well, which is a, a big shift from what we saw with them last year. They had a couple good signings as the year went on last year, but they really couldn't plug the holes that are being created with their various issues they ran to last year with pitcher usage and all of that. So they were, they were in a position where they were losing guys faster than they could replace them, and they could not replace many. Yeah. Uh, this year, it seems that they have, you know, they are losing some top guys still. They just had another one signed out. Uh, for a contract purchase, it seems like Marcus Walden was the guy. Yeah, yeah. However, they are definitely more capable of replacing with quality arms, which is huge to see. Uh, and, and I think that it shows a, probably the real deal moving forward. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they are first or second in the, in the South, uh, in the second half as well. And they'll probably win the division. I think they're, it, it's going to be a little too much for High Point to turn it around to get to them. Yeah, I was going to say, because there's, what, about, give or take, two weeks left in the first half, because it ends on the 3rd of July, so I think it's, like, uh, a little bit over two weeks, 15 days, something like that. I think it might end after July 4th. I'll have to do a double check on that. I'm always counting yeah. to see, but 66 games in the first half. Um, so I got to see if it's, like, that weird mid-series end of first half yeah. thing. I think that happened last year, so I'll do a double check and try to clarify that on my twitter account but i'm yeah. i always lack confidence on the when does this thing end <laughs> type yeah. of thing because uh, yeah. they if i'm not feeling like he has done a great job publicizing that i think it was mentioned like on local long island report at one point talking about yeah. the, the season for the ducks yeah there was one one document i found on their website that listed that out and that was about it the schedules were a pain in the ass to find i will admit that but yeah because i i know i wrote it down in in our uh in the preview document here. So now I'm going to check that real quick. But either way, it's not May. First half ends July 4. On the 4th of July, it ends. So, so I would assume after, yeah, yeah July so 5th, the second those half. games end. That, yeah. that checks out on my math. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, either way, it's not like they have, High Point has too much time to find five games, uh, especially because, like you said, they're dealing with the injuries, they're dealing with other issues as well. So it's that is a, a steep hill to climb. In uh, about 15, 16 days, you got to pick up a game every three days. That's going to be tough. Yeah, it looks like 17 games, and I'm running a check right now to see. It looks like they don't play high point in those games. They, uh, or they, they play Gastonia on July 4th, which, I mean, could be a cool storyline if they make a comeback and it's close. Yeah. But uh, I just I think they would need more games against Gastonia to get back to those other ones, especially because I, if I recall, Gastonia now has them with those six wins. Okay. Has them uh, sort oh, of over barrel tie on tiebreakers because okay. that initial tiebreaker, yeah, because Gaston has won all six of their matchups now, so they have the tiebreaker as well. So they're going to have to really make it happen. Yeah, that's not great for them. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the division, apparently Wild Health's above 500 now. I honestly haven't even, uh, I didn't even know that to be honest. I haven't been paying that much attention to the rest of the South Division to find out that they're above 500. So good for them, I guess. Yeah, and they're a team which is, hey, look, this is a vital skill in any ball is being the teams you have to beat. Yeah. Um, they are beating, or you should beat, I yeah. guess you should say. Um, they are 
they've improved a lot. They've their offense is sort of solidified. Um, they're when it comes to you know, pitching, it, there's moments where they're definitely more concerning than others, but they've definitely solidified what's going on there, which is a big deal for them. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I'd say their, their offense at this point is about league average. Um, their pitching is well below league average, but it has moments where it can be solid enough. And most of their like really bad numbers come from bad days, which is yeah. an okay way to do it. Like if your pitching is going to be rough over the course of a week, if you're going to leave a week of play with bad pitching numbers, you'd rather be because you have 20 in one day than like six every day. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of doing that, and if not, like they're just they're beating teams they should beat. They're they're on a stretch right now where they beat up on the Barnstormers. Um, they played the Revolution a bunch. Uh, they played High Point, and while High Point was on their downswing here, they they were in the middle of the Gastonia series. The High Point played and lost. Um, they played the Legends while Legends have been down. They've been playing again. I'm just going backwards yeah. to their schedule. Lancaster again. The Dirty Birds were low-key really struggling this year. Um, yeah. There are only three games were in Lexington, who's kind of stealing the attention as the team who's struggling in the South. But, yeah, if you go backwards through their schedule, they have played... <laughs> I'll, I'll just roll through it. They went yeah. Lancaster, York, before that was High Point while they were on the downswing. York before that, Lexington before that, Lancaster, Charleston, Lexington, and then you got Southern Maryland where they dropped two of three. So there, And then Charleston where they won a series, and then Blue Crabs and Gastonia, and they lost all those games to those teams. So, yeah, I mean, that's what their schedule's been. It's not been a very good schedule, but they're collecting the wins they need to collect. Uh, I don't think it's going to do anything for them in the division this half, for sure, but those are things that are important, especially when we're looking at a playoff scenario where there could be a wild card spot for grabs. Having these first half wins is, is vital, and where it's really important is I do think it's a good chance they're competing for a wild card spot with the Legends, who I still think are going to be better in the second half than the first. And the Legends are doing all they can to take one game out of every three. They're just losing series left and right, two out of three, just collecting games, trying to stay somewhat competitive. Um, and I think what the damage the genomes are putting down on these worst teams is really helping them in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to beat those teams. And you mentioned Lexington, who's had a poor first half i guess is a good way of putting it and 12 games under 500 is not good uh but it's i do wonder for both them and wild health there how much is the mound affecting all this like i understand that it's a storyline that's really kind of not directly related but it's always kind of there where it, i do wonder if that affects pitching there and how much it does and and all of that but even still it should be better than that and uh yeah, that, that's all I really got to add on them. Yeah, and I don't know, it's tough, because I don't talk to those guys. Oh, I yeah. do talk to those guys a good bit, but I haven't really discussed that topic with them. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of suspect the answer, which is, yeah. you know, if you're pitching well, now it has no impact at all. If you're having, if you're struggling, I think you're always going to say, oh, yeah, the mound's kind of an issue. Yeah. Um, and uh, the update on that, too, is, so, <laughs> how about this? Here's, some, here's something I, I, that crossed my radar. Yeah. From what I hear, high point, drove out for their series in Lexington. Okay. Put their head grounds crew, like groundskeeper, yeah. on the bus with the team. He came out because they have the same type of mound that Lexington does. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he was, I don't know if he was invited or whatever. I, I like to assume he was. So I like to think Lexington knew this was coming. Yeah. Basically told the grounds crew what they need to be doing with this mound and like explained why High Point's fine. Yeah. And then got like went right back 
like got an Uber to Bluegrass Airport and <laughs> flew back to High Point. And it sounds to me like uh, the thing with these mounts is you got to replace them every like 17 to 20 games probably. And when you're playing games every day, like Lexington is having, it, that obviously used to be like replacement ones, I guess I'll call them, the replacement mount pieces. They seem to have invested in like some extra pieces as well so that yeah. they can continue to replace what they've got. Um, so hopefully yeah. that will fix things moving forward, but that's, uh, that's quite a situation over there. Yeah, I, you know, you would think like durability would have to be a selling point, right? And yeah. obviously, I, don't know. I, I, that is not an area of expertise for me. I just talk yeah. to people who it is. So that's one where I'm not totally sure and I can't speak to the, if that's normal or not. But feels not normal to me, but I yeah. could be off completely. Um, as for Lexington themselves, I mean, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong at this point. And you know, their their offense goes cold, and that's not really what you're looking to see. Uh, the the MLB guys they brought in are struggling right now. I mean, Phil Bourbon and Blake Swire both have moments, but they're definitely not putting up the numbers that we were hoping to see for Lexington's side. Uh, Courtney Hawkins is, is an absolute beast still, as usual. Tillman Pugh's getting hot, but even Boop Powell's kind of struggled throughout stretches this year. So, mm. um it's it's been a difficult a difficult stretch and the pitching has not been there which was an expected issue but you know they thought it'd be balanced better with the offense and that's um not what you need where you know even there's a lot of games where they score a lot of runs and they still lose and that's got to be hard to take um and then like i mean even compound like they uh they go for a road trip the the southern maryland and then lancaster road trip and they have covid issues on that one so they lose guys like boot pal didn't make the trip like that's it's that's tough, man. So yeah. uh, I think Tilly's been out too. So it, it just they cannot catch a break right now, and I'm interested to see. They definitely need to make some moves. They definitely need to shake up some things there. I know they've already started plugging and playing with guys, but it's there's a lot of work to do with that roster, and they've only got a few weeks to do it before these games start to matter a lot more for them when the second half starts. So definitely something to keep an eye on as they continue to slide here. Yep, absolutely there. And so on that note, the only thing I have left to really say about the Atlantic League is when did Wild Health change their logo to be a gnome? Did they? Yeah, if you go to the website, there's a gnome for their logo. Hold up. It's like a little garden gnome with a baseball that. bat and shades. Hold on. Wait a minute, you might have just uncovered some drama here, buddy boy. Let's hang tight. Yeah, I've, I've seen them uh, using it in the graphics and stuff too, but yeah, it's like I a little gnome. I wonder when that started. Yeah. So here's, all right, If right, let's talk about it then. Yeah. Um, I, from what I've heard and from what I've been involved with while I was there, the partnership with Wild Health wasn't going swimmingly. Oh, yeah? Uh, Wild Health's very demanding. Wild Health is a company that made a lot of money off of the pandemic. Wild Health was a company that, once the pandemic slowed down, cut about 90% of their staff. Um, I would not, that is a one-year, it's not a one-year, it's like a 10-year deal, I think, but like maybe five, but it's not guaranteed year to year. So basically like, it's like an NFL contract where like Wild Health can yeah. say thanks, but no thanks. They're not impressed with the work. Yeah. And I know that they were not overly excited about a lot of the, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, things yeah. that they expected to have done and things they expected to see maybe not coming through. Yeah. So I would not be surprised. I mean, I'm looking, there's not a ton of Wild Health branding on their content right now. That's fascinating, dude. I mean, it could also be that like, you know, they have, just a new logo that they like and frankly i know they're 
about half their marketing department's been laid off or had their hours cut. So yeah. there's just a lack of people making decisions and they're just kind of winging it. So <laughs> that's that on that. Uh, and that, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I didn't think there was that much to it. I just thought I was like, oh, we're going to go ahead and put up a new logo that's something different than a word mark. But hey. Yeah. Yeah, it could be that. It could be me reading way too much into it. But uh, hey, no, I'll tell you, if you keep an eye on my Twitter account, I'm betting you I will have details on that in the next 24 hours. Okay, will it be before or after this goes up? I just want to know if I'm getting yelled at too. Um, who's to say? I'd like to think before. Okay. But I'm optimistic. See, I don't mind getting yelled at. I just like to know if it's coming or not. Well, and I'd like to say that it's like, you know, I would assume it's nothing. It's just like, hey, we yeah. like this logo. But, you know, maybe it's not. Maybe it's something interesting. Hopefully it's interesting. <laughs> interesting is always better. But you know it is Interesting in- is certainly better. You know what is interesting? The yeah. American Association is interesting. Tell Be- me about it. Because you have a team that's pretty much a tank of a team in uh, Kansas City. Really solid team. They come in, they sweep. The best team in the East Division. Pretty much the only comparable in the league. And then they wind up getting swept by a team that coming into their series, had won but 11 games. So they uh, they play in a pretty bad Sioux City team that doesn't really draw at all, and they wind up getting swept by them, and so goes their long winning streak, and now they're 20-10 in second place in the West Division with Fargo-Moorhead winning five in a row after an earlier, I want to say, nine-game winning streak. Uh, put them up. And so now they're 21 and 9. You have 20 and 10, 17 and 12. And that's your top three in the West. And uh, now, after the sweep of uh, the Monarchs, the Sioux City Explorers are a half game out of a playoff spot somehow. I will say, having Drew Ward back for Fargo this year has been uh, a big difference maker when he's batting 387 with 10 home runs. And he's not real. I mean, he strikes out, but he's struck out 24 times in 30 games. But even still, 43 hits in 30 games is pretty good. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot here where they're a really good hitting team. Manny Boskin, who won the batting title last year, is also doing well, batting like 340. It's solid. And overall, they seem like a pretty solid team, Fargo. It's a team that always seems to do well. It's just a matter of how well are they going to do for how long. And if they get hot, I mean, you saw last year, they were able to go on a bit of a tear. So they can maybe do something. Plus, McGovern's on the verge of setting the uh, American Association wins record at 55. His next start, if he gets the win, he sets it. So hopefully he gets that. And he's been, you know, all right this year. I mean, 450 ERA is fine, but not the world Bernie once was, but still certainly adding uh, productive starts there. And that's the important thing. And 46 strikeouts in 40 innings is not bad for a guy that's in his mid-30s. Yeah, agreed. He he kind of has always given me Daryl Thompson vibes, except Daryl Thompson's for ratchets it up with his weird ability to win games even when he doesn't have his best outing so yeah yeah like the he's in his areas in the fours now but like when you put him on the mound you still feel comfortable and confident exactly and last year i mean he did so well that he got picked up by the cardinals so clearly there's something exactly. in the tank still and i'm not sure if it was a matter of okay i finally got to affiliate ball because he's always an indie ball guy i'm not sure it was like okay I got to affiliate ball. I'm good. But then you, you go, all right, well, I need like 10 strikeouts and five wins. And I set like a whole bunch of different records. So I'm not sure we came back for that. I'm not sure we came back for just one more year. I'm not sure if getting picked up did something or whatever, but hey, it's something else. But, uh, more to the flip side in the East, just to talk about them fairly quickly to keep things kind of moving. 
Cleburne is just not a good team this year. They've lost six in a row. They've had, I believe, an eight-game losing streak as well. It's just not really going well for them. And meanwhile, Gary, on the other hand, has done well as of recent, seven and three. It's hard to really make any sort of prediction about most of this East Division just because it's all so close together. And the only team you can really talk about is Cleburne, and that's kind of negative talk because nothing is really working for them. That's interesting to hear, and it, I mean, I don't want to dip back into like the attendance and marketing conversation too much, but like, yeah. it, it is always interesting to see with the idea of like, you know, social media sell tickets. Cleveland social media is very good, and last year I really noticed it as being extremely strong. But like, yeah. man, they don't really pack them in that ballpark, do they? So that's always interesting to see. I know it's not the main point we're talking yeah. baseball right now, not and not attendance standings necessarily, but when I also have limited knowledge of the American Association, that's yeah. kind of what you're going to get from me. You roll those dice, neck, bring me on, yeah. there, and I'm going to, you know, respond to actual baseball talk with like how many fans are in the seats. So that's you know, hey, look, that's what you get sometimes. This. This is what we do here. I go ahead. I do that for Atlantic League talk because I just defer to you on that. And then for the rest of it, <laughs> then I take over. See, that's, this is how this is going to work. I'm fine with that trade off. But I mean, again, we're the, the true crime podcast girls where one's just riding shotgun and reacting to what the other one says. I'm okay with that. Honestly, it fits for me too because I have a, a very a basic form of, uh, of music enjoyment. I'll say if you go through my phone, it, <laughs> It, it's going to look like I spend most of my time at Starbucks. I'll put it to you like that. But And really, I don't spend any of my time there. But regardless, uh, I do think part of the reason, too, is it's Texas, so it's very hot in an outdoor ballpark without air conditioning. It's kind of hard to sell people on showing up to a bunch of indie ball games when it's, like, 95 out. That's that's a hard sell. Yeah, that's fair. That, that also, if... Sorry, you know, I'm just going to distract from things. I was just looking into, you know, all the talk about Austin, Texas really growing. Yeah. Like, they have one professional baseball team. It's a Pecos League team. And, like, I wonder, is it just, like, you know, professional baseball is a tough sell, three hours in the sun in Texas um, in, in the summer? Or, or is it, you know, is that a market that could be interesting? So, I, I mean, I'm not saying you know anymore, but it's just yeah. me being, like, things I've thought about recently. is It's kind of crazy that Texas really just has, you know, that one main pro, like, indie ball team. And, and then... And that's a Pecos League team. So, or, uh, and then they have a Pecos League team. So it's just kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Um, th- supposedly Fort Worth was the one that people want back. That that could be a thing. It's always been up and down. I mean, there's, there's been talk in the past of building other ballparks and whatnot. Maybe it happens. Maybe it does. But I do think a lot of it is throughout Texas, you have a lot of affiliated minor league baseball that kind of, you know, it's going to fight off a little bit. I know you're, that's not really your main competition. But at least in the baseball sphere, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is also it's Texas and it's really hot. So if you're giving your choice between sitting outside in the sun for like two hours before it goes down all the way or, you know, sitting inside some air conditioned mall or theater or something like that, that kind of wins it out over uh, over otherwise. But yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not looking, first of all, like. I'm not going to shade the Pecos League, but I'm saying, like, to be it's fair, the they have three League. teams in Texas. Two of them don't have, like, their ballparks don't have Wikipedia pages, and they look like they might be more or less parks. Oh, yeah, so, a lot like, of more parks. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, again, Pecos League is a Pecos League, it's a grinder league, but, like, yeah. at the same time, I'm like, it's kind of crazy. Just, you know, you think of Texas, you think, you know, 
yeah. some sort of baseball. But again, it's one of those weird ones too, where it's really a football market, and you know that sells better, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But you think with like the kind of money they put for high school football stadiums, you could afford to build like at least a mixed use one where you could put a baseball team in it. Yeah, even if it's like the lazy mixed use, like the abomination that like the Expos were playing in for a while, where it's oh, like yeah. obviously it's a football field with the short left field yeah. and like no fans in right because that's where like the rest of the football field and soccer field or whatever goes, the yeah. CFL stadium they have. Yeah. That's I, I actually have a soft spot soft spot for weird and like terrible stadiums. Mm. And I just love like pictures of those stadiums, any of them that are like just smashed across some sort of football field and it's just like all right, I guess so. Well, let's, yeah, we'll play ball here. Why not? Yeah. But, yeah, so I think that's just about it for as far as American Association talk goes. We're about a third of the way or so through that season. We'll circle back to it next week and talk more about it then. But it's hard to really say too much because it's just so closely packed there. On the flip side, just to get the Frontier League uh, talk in here, there won't be Pioneer League talk this week. That sounds like a next week or a week after that's situation. Yeah. Really? You want to talk about the Pioneer League? I'll take the Pioneer League after this one. I got it. All right. But we got Frontier first. We got to address two major things in the Frontier League. Quebec's very good alongside Ottawa. Very unexpected, especially Ottawa being uh, 9-1 and one their last 10. Uh, they're hot. They're a good team. And they look poised to really make a run for the top of the division. Same thing with Quebec, who looks very, very good right now. Although they're evening out. They're a little bit close to 500, but still in a 94-game slate. They've only lost seven games, and they've won 22 of them. So that's always a good start to the year there. The other thing that you got to talk about, of course, is through nearly a third of the year, actually over a third of the year, I imagine now, the Empire State Grays are uh, still without a win. They've lost 28 in a row. I don't understand how you lose 28 games in a row. I know they've said in the past, at least we saw the DM from the one, have the Empire State Grays won yet, or have the Grays won yet, something like that. Uh, the DM that said they're not prioritizing winning, which, okay, fine, but even still, I mean, like, just out of respectability, you gotta pull down one win here. I mean, come on. Yeah, and I mean, I, I want to make the point, too, like, we're never bashing on those players. Like, yeah. it's a tough tough situation but uh, it's it's bad it i'm very careful with the way i talk about it because like i'm yeah. very sensitive to the fact that like these guys are trying to make a living and they're they are grinding to try to make this happen and it, it is a very difficult scenario but i mean there are guys to shout out here and uh, you know i like the sort of adjusted stats which like takes out like outside factors for you know ballpark and you know, competition level to like get those stats of like how good are some people against like the rest of the league or whatever. Um, and I'm trying to find even one that just for the fact that every single game you play is a road game. Yeah. But like there's guys like, um, the one that stood out to me the other day, I think he's still on the team. He hasn't played a ton of games, but, um, this guy Hiroki Itakura, okay. like I'm always looking for just the silver lining on that, but like he, he like shown up and he's like batting 340 <laughs> for, uh, Empire State right now and like, playing really well he's an outfielder or i think he's an outfielder i have no idea yeah, he's an outfielder no. but like he shows up he's from japan i mean so they're they're pulling some people uh will decker is over there former genome who actually killed it in the atlantic league and he played real well he was off the bench in the atlantic league played real well now he's slashing 200 300 286 
586 OPS um, in 40 plate appearances. So if you're wondering how difficult it is to play for the Grays, there you go, man. Like, it, it's a struggle right now. Um, I, I mean, I'm just looking around. Like, there's really no – there's so few silver linings right now. And, and you, your heart goes out to the guys. I mean, they're obviously doing all they can. But it's just – it feels like looking at their scores, like any day the offense can get something going, the pitching isn't there for them. And, like, the pitching, when they can put together a solid nine innings of work, the batting just doesn't show up. It's just one of those things where it's pretty brutal. I mean, they've gone through – 28 pitchers already this year they've gone through 30 batters this year it's it's wild i mean like at least holden bernhardt it's doing all right 11 appearances about 14 innings he has a sub one era which i don't know how that's possible on this team but i mean that's good for him overall as a team they've dropped their era down from being 10 to under 10 so that's positive Mm -hmm. too so there is improvement here they are losing a couple of... Cl- there's some games where they just get blown out of the water. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat that. They're, I mean, you get crushed some games. But other ones, they're dropping one, two-run games, which is better to see. I mean, it's better than 13 nothing, 17-9. 3-2 is not bad. But, I mean, when you answer back with 20-1, to that's not great. But it feels like they got to get a win sooner than later, right? Like, it, there's some games where... They, they're close, but they're just not getting over the hump. And maybe it's this weekend. They have three rivers. That's not been great. They, they've been all right, but not great. New Jersey's not a great team either. So there's six possibilities there. I don't think they're going to, uh, to do well against Tri City. And we know Rockland's beat them already. So that's not great, but there's maybe they can get a win in here before July. I would hope, but. Yeah, it, it's rough for the players there, and I just got to imagine the more the losses pile up, the more demoralizing that is. Yeah, it's again it's a tough scenario, and um, you hope these guys are like putting up numbers or getting experiences that'll help them, and they, they'll be able to find spots that aren't on buses mostly, you know, down the road. But it, it's definitely a difficult situation to be in. Um, uh, beyond that, too, it, it's there's so many challenges there to think about, but. Um, I have done some deep diving into what the Atlantic League situation will be next year with their 10th team. Yeah. I do believe there will be an expansion team joining. However, mm-hmm. I looked into the possibility of the Road Warriors, and I found, uh, talking to a couple people, that the interesting background on why the Road Warriors were at least slightly more competitive, I think there was a year they didn't even finish in the last in their division at one point in the Atlantic League, yeah. was because originally the way it was made was um, all the Atlantic League teams did spring training at the same complex in Florida, yeah. Um, then the teams would make their cuts and instead of like full cuts, they would basically option players to the road warriors. Mm. And that would basically be like their alternate site team. And that would be where they would grab players from. So like these were guys who could fit on Atlantic league rosters in a moment's notice who filled out the road warriors team. And that was just kind of part of the deal. I'm sure players didn't love that. And it sounds like teams kind of drifted away from that policy, uh, as time went on. So I don't know really who's to point the finger at there, but it, it's, Interesting to note that is at least the concept of how this could possibly work better than it is right now. It is interesting. I will say that. Plus, I got to address the good to see we're going to have expansion here. You know, it's it's a positive and it's also a negative because isn't it just going to create another problem when Hagerstown actually does come in? Yeah, it does. But it does also indicate that the Atlantic League wasn't just giving lip service to their goal or at least like or had to back down from their goal that they spoke about a little while ago of making this a 12 team league because it does, you know, yeah, suggest that they'll have to do 12 because we'll have okay. to add, um, they'll have to add the 10th next year. Uh, and then 
with Hagerstown, they'll have to add a 12. So, I mean, that, that is a silver lining, at least as somebody who covers them. And, yeah. and that makes me happy to see it. Yep, definitely there. So I'm interested to see where 12 is, but I do have to address two more things before we can, if we want to do Pioneer League talk, we could do Pioneer League talk. I want to do Pioneer League. All right. We'll do Pioneer League talk. All right. I just got to address because I know oh, we do have, me. <laughs> we have at least one big Otters fan. I got to mention the fact they're eight and two in their last 10. They've won six in a row. Go. And that's jettisoned them up the leaderboard or up the standing board to get them into first place in the West Division of the Frontier League. They are half game above uh, the Washington Wild Things. And somehow, Joliet's put together a nice little 7-3 and three stretch, taking advantage of most of this division, either playing 500 baseball or sub-500 baseball, to steal that third and what I believe is final spot in the playoffs for the West Division. Again, though, we are 31 games into a 94-game season. So it is a little 94-96 game season. So it's still fairly early on. But even still, it's nice to see that. And hopefully Florence can start to right the ship. There's seven games under 500. They're going to need to start getting going on that front. Yeah, that's a little weird to see for sure. Yeah, they're going to need to start um, that out. But Good to see Evansville getting after it, though. And, yeah. and I'll say this, Trois-Rivier, like, uh, first of all, I just want to mention, that's my go-to out-of-the-park baseball indie ball team I pick up. Yeah. And I've been able to build that team into a powerhouse in out-of-the-park baseball. So, you know, if they're 11-16. If they need a baseball operations guy, I'm available. I don't know if I want to move to Canada, though, so I'll have to do it remote. Well, well, also, you're going to have to learn how to speak French. I will not be doing that. Oh, that's going to be a tough sell there. Maybe, if see, Ottawa's doing well, too, so I can't even pitch you on Ottawa. No, yeah, they, they have no interest in me. But, um, what about the Jackals? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not me being against French, by the way. It's yeah. just me not... My, my brain doesn't hold language, bro. It, I barely survive English. Well, leave that. We're going to leave that. But <laughs> because I I do have to talk about Kumar Rocker quickly because we only yeah. me and Will only mentioned briefly mentioned him last week, but overall he seems to be doing pretty well. He gives up the home run a little bit too much. That's pretty much where all I think all of his runs have come off of that, if not most I know have. So I mean he's he's doing solid outside of that. He's striking guys out. He's not going too long. Four innings, three innings, four innings. In that order, but at the same time, too, he's only giving up seven hits in that time frame, too. Uh, two and a quarter ERA. It's not terrible here. You know, at least last start was two and a quarter, but uh, he's doing pretty good. And what's kind of scary, and I feel bad for the Grays here, it does line up where he could make a start against the Grays. Which, I mean, I feel like Boris. If they want a show out game, I mean, if they want one that like hits ESPN, like Kumar Rocker just did this, that's the way to do it. I mean, because when's the MLB draft? Um, please don't ask me that question. I, dates are not even real to me at this point in my life. All right. Uh, let me Google it real quick. I got it. I got it. I got it. You, you keep doing your thing. I got this. All right. Because I was going to say, because depending on when that is, they play the July Grays. July 17. Okay. So, yeah, he's probably going to start against the Grays. They may get lucky oh, because... God. The next series they play against them, the last game will fall on a four-day rest day. I don't think he's going to be playing on short rest at all. So then they go on a three-game road trip to Three Rivers. Then they come back July 1, 2, 3. That's all Empire State. And I got to imagine after then sitting for seven days, he's pitching one of those games. Because it's going to be an easier opponent. And it's going to be a little bit of rest. And I feel like that's probably his last start. So you make the start and say July 1. 
and then you take two weeks to get ready for the draft. Unless you want to make a game too. They do it. Uh, And if you actually, it depends on when it falls. Let's see, two, three. You could probably you pick whichever date's better for attendance wise because it's the Fourth of July weekend game on top of a rocker start. That would draw people in a lot. Mm-hmm. Unless you want that to put them on 4th of July. But I don't think they're putting them on 4th of July. But, yeah. The only way that it's not his last start, too, would be if they want to get him one more. And then you can do it against Quebec, where he's already pitched against them. But I feel like if you go out and you strike out in four innings, I wouldn't put 12 out against him. Just because, I mean... He's got a lot of stuff, and these poor bastards are just getting sent out to the slaughter. And with uh, Empire State there, he could really go out, show out, and then be like, "Yep, I'm good. That's all you need to see from me. No sense in risking one more start." Yeah, man. I mean, that's, I think that's the right move. And talk about a low, a low risk sort of proposition for him. Oh god, yeah. that's the team scoring three less than three runs a game at this point. Yeah, and I mean, especially if home runs have been your issue. I don't think they're going to be hitting too many deep ones on him. And you go out, you put up the gaudy numbers. I mean, you walk maybe one, you surrender maybe one hit, and you strike out ten in four innings. It's like, okay, that a lot of people just checking box scores are going to be like, that's all we need to see. Especially if he dials it up, because supposedly last start he was staying around 96. So, uh, I just... So, I mean, he did touch 99, I was hearing that first outing. Yeah, yeah, he hit 99. interesting to watch. Yep. So we'll quickly get to the Pioneer League and then we'll get out of here after that. You want to talk about the Pioneer League, Ryan. So I'll let you talk about the Pioneer League and the several eight and two teams and then a two and eight team in the three and 17 Rocky Mountain vibes. Yeah. So I don't follow the Pioneer League super closely. Um, just not a lot of players that go from the Pioneer League into the Atlantic League, so I kind of have yeah. limited need to do so. But I will say, I, for we'll get to just the, the regular business first, which is Idaho Falls is, what, 15-5 it looks like, leading yeah. the North Division by a half game over Great Falls, who's 14-5. Ogden's up two games in the South at 10-7. Um, th- that's not the important thing. I was watching this league over the past week because, you know, I at least checked through the stats. And something grabbed my attention. And that was that in the North Division, Idaho Falls has been scoring about 11 runs per game. 10, something like that. Yeah. In the South, the Rocky Mountain Vibes have been allowing over 10 runs per game. And I immediately thought, ooh, when do they play each other? And boy, it was only once for six games over the past week. And it did not disappoint. Game one, Idaho Falls wins 17 to 9. Game two, Idaho Falls wins or 21 to 6. Game 3, Idaho Falls wins 13 to 6. Game 4, Rocky Mountain gets one, winning 9 to 5, shows up, but they must have burned everything they had because the next next two games, Idaho Falls won 25 17 and 31 to 5. 25 17 is a football score. It was some, I mean, there's a lot of football scores. 17-9, I mean, they put up more football scores than baseball scores. This is the Pioneer League. This is this is what they did last year, too. It was all high scoring. Like, we talked about, oh, the Atlantic League's abnormally high in scoring last year. 
this was high scoring last year. This is just like, yep, we're playing lacrosse or football instead of baseball. We're not getting any two-run games here. And I think it's just largely because you have a bunch of younger guys, which means you have younger arms. And as we've seen <coughs> across the board in indie ball, pitching as a commodity there's not too many people with it so we're getting some pitching in some high altitude environments which means we're setting up for some real excitement here uh from the hitting perspective and i gotta say with the pioneer league they managed to get some interesting names for the roundup show don't they they do i I, i'm an og sort of joe list fan the comedian they have on there but they definitely uh they, they keep it fascinating for sure yeah like even the guests wise, I mean, they, they pull in like Charles Barkley, Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. They had the Marlins GM on not too long ago. I don't, I believe. If there was a league that could really benefit from more of like an aggressive marketing atmosphere, like I'm not saying the Savannah Bananas, but I'm saying like taking some hints from them. Yeah. It's the Pioneer League. Cause if you do have a lot of scores that are getting out of hand, I mean, Rocky Mountain, I mean, they've, they're not the only team allowing a lot of runs. I mean, look, they also gave up. They played. They're the ones who gave up 14 and then threw a shutout. Oh, it's a, it's a spin a game. And then they have 14, 11, 11, 13, 24, 22 to start their season against Glacier Range Riders. Yeah. So, like, this isn't, like, this isn't unusual necessarily to them, but also the average score in the league is like eight runs per team right now. I mean, look, if it's going to be that kind of action, as long as you can keep the game moving, it's not dragging out, you can, like, just lean into it, man. Like, make it wild. Like, it's always weird when you're trying to be super serious. Like, last year I struggled with it, being super serious about the Atlantic League, but also it's, like, 10 runs per game half the time. So, you know, that puts you in a spot. I think the easy way is to not take that so seriously and be like, this is what the league is. Like, it's a launching pad. It's a league where if you're a real one on the mound, you can get it done and we're going to respect the hell out of that. Like we're going to make sure we're like propping you up and helping you maybe get out of here. But like, let the fans know, like this is a different brand of baseball right now and we are going to lean into it. I think they could do something with that. Not to again, redirect back to the marketing conversation, but yeah. I think they, there's a place for this. It's just right now, while they're simultaneously making their big move toward like being very legitimate as an indie league, it is difficult while that's going on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Plus, it's I've been surprised too. They have good attendance numbers, so there is a fan base here. So mm-hmm. I'd be very, it'd be interesting to see them take this approach too. I, I'll agree with that. But um, I'm gonna openly admit it. I'm a little short on time, so I think this, this is a pretty good place to wrap her up. We'll get to the plugs, then we'll get out of here, and that'll be that. So I'll do my plugs, then I'll let Ryan do his plugs. And then we'll go through the usual bit. So if you want to follow the show, you could do so on, at uh, Indie Ball Pod on Twitter, at Indie Ball Report on uh, Instagram. You could also just follow the show wherever you find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, usual shit. Not going to run through them all right now. And you can also go to the website, find show notes, find all the other episodes we did with Ryan, find just all the other episodes in general, and some other stuff there too. So uh, you got plugs, so you go ahead and do your plugs. Am I a three-time guest now? Is that a thing? I believe so. I'll take it. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, not to get off track, even just doing this part, which yeah. is the story of my life. Um, but yeah, ALP Roundup. You can follow it on Twitter at ALPB Roundup. That's a garbage fire. Uh, you can follow it on Instagram at ALPB underscore Roundup. And you can subscribe to the YouTube channel where typically I'll be doing serious roundups and longer form things. I think I want to get some of this marketing conversation out of my 
my system by just having sort of a, a random off the cuff sort of thought process on indie ball marketing and what teams do well and what teams could probably do better just to, you know, get it out of my system. So keep an eye on that one if you're looking at my YouTube channel. But other than that, that's uh, what we got going on. We're just keeping it crazy, keeping it fun, watching Atlantic League baseball, whether there's a fire on the infield or not. <laughs> Which I just thought about this. You have now, I believe, surpassed uh, one Jesse Scaglione for most appearances on this show. Yeah, I mean, look, it's tough because of the hair, right? I mean, yeah. And I bet you're never going to be there's something that. about people who have gone into Lexington front office for a period of time and then suddenly disappeared. Yeah. It's. <laughs> You two do have a lot in common. I will say that, but great hair. The hair, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, you're never going to beat Jesse's hair. I mean, that was just top of the line stuff. We'll, we'll see. You you don't remember me from my uh, mullet days. <laughs> you know, I just imagine some Morgan Wallen looking uh, mullet. It was greasy. Okay, well, they, I, I'm hoping there was. <laughs> I'm hoping there was like a vest, but the vest was had sleeves cut off of it, type of thing. Maybe some PBR here. Just really go all in on it. Jorts, absolutely. I mean, that that was got given. I didn't think I needed to say that. <laughs> I'm glad you know me. Exactly. See, it's important there. So, uh, yeah, we got anything else left to add here? That's all I've got, man. All right. Yeah, I don't Thanks got, for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you bailing, uh, bailing me out this week. <laughs> ah, man, you know. I'm the garbage time reliever, bro. You in a jam? I got you. Not like a jam where the game's closed. Don't put me in high leverage. But like, you know, yeah, a mid-season game, this thing's pretty much wrapped up, but we need a few innings at work and we don't want to burn anybody useful as a guest. Hand it to me. Uh, so the September call-up. I mean, maybe. September, you know, that's crunch time. You got to be careful. Yeah, but see, it's one of those where it's like, okay, it's beginning of September, roster's expanded, we're going to call somebody up here. Uh, prospect we feel very hopeful about probably it's going to start the year next year in AAA, but we want to see if they got major league potential or not so we know if we're going to be wasting more time on him or not let's see what he can do here you know we're hoping he's not going to get a killed morris that's what uh we're hoping to avoid that situation because i remember that one appearance he had with the mets there i was like oh they're gonna ruin him and they ruined him but <laughs> Well, I mean, really, I see myself more as the person where, you know, the game's got out of hand and the manager checks the, the, the roster sheet and goes, oh, he is in the bullpen. And then before even calling out to the bullpen, he does check with the bench coach. Like, he's here, right? Like, and the bench coach's like, yeah, might as well. I mean, we're paying him to be here. Except, you know, I don't get paid. Oh, I don't get paid. That's part of the deal. <laughs> you know, I almost forgot. Don't forget to play ball. Don't forget to play ball. <laughs> <laughs>